My name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor of City on a Hill, Forest Hills. I want to welcome you and introduce myself if I haven't met you. I want to say a quick thank you to uh, Mizzeline, who is uh, one of our core group members who uh, just read that scripture, and we're so thankful that she was able to do that. As a church, uh, part of our, our hope and our culture here is we want to be a multicultural church, and one way that we celebrate that is uh, we share scripture readings from various different languages as, as a way to celebrate the diversity of our neighborhood and of our church. And so tonight, there are two goals that we have as a new church plant here in the city, two goals that we're going to have for this evening for you for this vision night. The first goal is that we want to give you a glimpse or a picture of what kind of church this is going to be. And then secondly, we want to tell you how you can get involved with that, how you can plug into what God is doing here in this part of the city. So tonight, if, uh, if you're interested in this or you're just interested in any information uh, about this church plant, you can just type connect right there in the comment section. You don't have to leave the platform, just type connect in the comments and somebody is going to follow up with you uh, later on. And so the question we're looking at tonight is what kind of church is City on a Hill, Forest Hills going to be? And Acts chapter four actually answers this. It tells us uh, what the early church was like and really what we hope to be as a church. And what it does is it tells us about the culture of the kind of church that we are. And so as this new church, as, as a church, every group of people has a culture. Every group of people, whether it's a new church, whether it's a family, whether it's your ethnic group, uh, it's a social club, every group of people has a culture, whether sometimes that's explicit, sometimes we can see it very clearly, sometimes it's implicit and it's something that's felt, it's just not stated. It's something that's experienced. Uh, and so, for example, if you're a Red Sox fan, Red Sox the Red Sox have a culture. There's a culture around Red Sox baseball. Thank you, Lord, that baseball is coming back. Even for 60 games, praise God. And so if you, if you have ever been to a Red Sox game, you know you walk outside of Fenway, you get a sausage dog, you go in, uh, uh, you, you sing Sweet Caroline together. We hate the Yankees. This is all part of our culture as Red Sox fans. Every group of people has a culture. As a church, our vision is to see every person in every, from every neighborhood uh, experience the gospel. And so what we're trying to do as a church is we are trying to build a culture. And we're, so we're trying to build a gospel culture in order that every person in our city, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers can experience the gospel and see what life would look like with Jesus as king. So for us, we want a culture that flows from the work of Jesus for us and the fact that he is king over our lives because we believe that Jesus changes absolutely everything. And so we want to have a, a gospel culture. So what does it mean for us to have a gospel culture? We're going to look at four aspects of this culture tonight. Uh, the first is that gospel culture means relationships are vital. As City on a Hill, Forest Hills, relationships are vital. Culture is lived out with people. You have the other people in order to have a culture together. And relationships are the grounds where our culture is tested. A, a culture is shaped. A culture is, is improved upon and it's worked out. We work these things out in relationships. So for example, I have four kids. I have four daughters ranging 
from ages 13 to 8, and I can tell you that I'm a better parent on child number four than I was at child number one. My first child, Lily, uh, she was a test case. She was the guinea pig in this, and I just kind of had to figure stuff out, and, and hopefully we didn't mess her up too bad. She seems to be a pretty good kid, so I think I think we're doing okay. Um, but uh, Jasmine Holmes, in her book, Mother to Son, Letters to a Black Boy on Identity and Hope, talks about her parents who had like 117 children. They have a, a bunch of kids, and she said her dad always told her that her 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 older siblings benefited from their energy, but you know suffered from their lack of experience. And her younger siblings benefited from the experience, but the lack of energy. All the parents can give an amen to that. And so as we grow, as a church grows, as time goes on, our culture shapes through relationship. And this is no different for the church in Acts. The church in Acts had grown from a church of about 120 praying in an upper room uh, to a then in Acts chapter 2, over 3,000. And then now at this point in Acts chapter 4, there are over 5,000 people who call themselves a part of the church in Acts. Uh, they're in Jerusalem. And so something unique is happening among them that it's not just, it's not just that they were teaching good doctrine, but there was a culture that really held that church together. And this is a culture that we want to emulate at City on a Hill, Forest Hills, this beautiful culture where we're of one heart and soul, but from all kinds of people groups across our city. One reason that we chose to plant a church near the Forest Hill Station is we believe that it allows us to reach and impact people from multiple different Boston neighborhoods, like Jamaica Plain and Roxbury, Dorchester, Roslindale, Mattapan, High Park, West Roxbury, you name it, several different neighborhoods people from different walks of life, people from different ethnicities. And we have this beautiful vision of all of these people coming together, looking to Jesus and experiencing the good news together. That's a reason that we chose this area. And we see this in Acts. We see this radical diversity with uncommon unity. A radical diversity with uncommon unity. This is one of the, the values of our network, the City on a Hill network of churches. It's how people experience the gospel together. So in the book of Acts, the church here in Jerusalem was made up of at least 17 different people groups, 17 different languages, 17 different food preferences, 17 different ideas of what a good time was. And they're all united around this one common hope. And that's Jesus. They're united around Jesus. And so two big takeaways that we can take from the relationships we see here in Acts chapter four is this, is one is that ethnicity matters. And secondly, that only Jesus can make this happen. Ethnicity matters and only Jesus could make this happen. We really believe to be a diverse church, to be unified in Christ. Our unity in Christ does not mute or take away our cultural distinctives or our cultural expressions. In fact, we don't believe that that's true unity. I believe that's assimilation. True unity allows us to come together as people made in the image of God from different, different backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, looking to Jesus together and expressing that image out of who God created us to be. I believe it matters because again, those 17 different people groups are mentioned. Here in Acts chapter four in verses 36 and 37, it's really clear that Joseph is mentioned to be a Jewish Levite. It was important enough for Luke, the writer of the book of Acts to say that Joseph called Barnabas was Jewish. It mattered because it was part of who he was and it was celebrated as part of who he was. What this means in the gospel is that anyone can get in on this. 
That regardless of where you come from or your background or your ethnicity, you are invited in and you are treated as an equal at the table of Jesus and we all receive his grace together. We wanna foster this kind of culture that we glorify God out of who we are uniquely, individually, and that we more fully reflect Jesus when we celebrate and dignify the culture of others when we fight for one another and what makes the experiences of someone who is different than us, what, what makes them unique. We bear the burdens unique to different people groups. We see this in the issue of racial injustice right now, where there are some in our congregation who have not experienced this firsthand and are trying to learn and to listen and to advocate. And there are others in our congregation who have experienced this type of racial injustice firsthand. This is their, this is their lives. And we want to come together and we want to fight for one another. And, and this is hard work to do both of these things well. It's hard work to be a place where ethnicity matters and we look to Jesus together. But we believe that relationships are the grounds where we work out this culture together. And so in Ephesians 2, when Paul tells the Ephesians that when the Jews and the Gentiles, these two different groups of people were brought together, they were made into one new man, into one new people. I think a mistake we make is we look at that story, we look at what happened there and think that that's the ending point. That at that point, everything's better. They're one in Christ. We all love Jesus. But actually that's the beginning. That's the beginning of God's work in them, that the grounds for your unity, the grounds for you to work toward reconciliation is the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ and that he has brought you together and unified you, that we look to him together, that we all have a common problem, that we need new hearts. It's hard work to do, but these gospel relationships give us the grounds for us. And we believe it tells us a couple of things. It means that you can change, that you're not a static person, that God can change your hearts, he can redeem our hearts, and he can grow us into the people he's called us to be. We believe relationships provide the space and the grace and order that we need to grow as people to love, better love one another. It allows us to repent and deal with some really hard stuff. To be a multicultural church, to be a multi-ethnic church mean, doesn't mean that we just get people in a room together who look different. It means we also have to deal with our racial history, our racial past, and how that is affecting us here in 2020 if we truly want to be the body of Christ. This is, this is hard work, but it's beautiful work. We often see this in community groups where we come together, people from different backgrounds who live and act like a family. And, and what we long for and what we hope for these groups to look like as a, as a smaller picture of our church more broadly, it's kind of like that friend who has refrigerator, refrigerator access at your house. You know, everybody has that friend who can walk into your house, maybe they even have a key, and they can beeline straight for the refrigerator. Like that is, I, I, I want those types of friends in my life. You can have whatever you want from my fridge as long as you don't take it off my, my plate. That's part of my family's culture is you don't take things off people's plates. But we want the type, of, the type of relationships where you could just walk in and be like family. Again, if you want to be a part of a community group like that at City on a Hill Forest Hills, just type connect in the comments section. So gospel culture means that relationships are vital. Secondly, it means that the word of God is central. For us, the Bible, we want the Bible to be central to everything that we do. And we believe it is the final authority on everything we do and believe as the church. 
that this is not about opinion, but it's about God's word. And what we believe is that God's word acts as this anchor, this solid foundation upon which we can stand together. And as we do this, why is this so important? It's because we believe that God's word and his design, when they're rightly understood, are ultimately what is best for us. When we're informed by God's word and we're changed by God's word, we ultimately believe that we can love others best because God defines what love is. God defines what glorifies him. God defines what it means to dignify and love and care for others. So as a church, we wanna submit ourselves and our agendas to God's word. And when that happens, it starts to kind of mess you up. It can mess up your politics. It can mess up your priorities. It can mess up all sorts of things in your life because what God is doing through us submitting ourselves to his word together is he's reorienting our lives in a way that gives him the most glory and blesses others the most. And it's not just about accuracy. We don't wanna just be biblically accurate. We don't wanna be less than that. We wanna preach God's word as it is and as it points to Jesus. But secondly, we also want it to have power. The apostles here in Acts chapter four are testifying, giving a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An apostle was someone who had been set aside because they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Our hope as Christians lies upon the fact that Jesus Christ not only died, but he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. They saw him risen and they testified to that. And let me tell you this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are also a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. You're a witness to the resurrection of Jesus because what, have, what God has done in your heart to make you alive, to make you new, to forgive you of your sins that, so that you could have new life in him. And something in our hearts and in our life shifts when we understand this, that Jesus didn't just die abstractly. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for us. This is the common hope that we center our lives upon because what the word does is it points us to Jesus. If we are centered upon the word, we'll be centered upon Jesus. Tim Keller talks about the power of God's word in the midst of his people. He says, every time Christians meet to worship, the same presence of God that was on the mountain in the Old Testament that could be touched is present here. It's available. How could that be? Because of the mediator, Jesus Christ, whose blood speaks graciously. A gospel culture means that we are committed to giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ from God's word every single week. It means that as a church, as people, we are committed together to live our lives every single day, centering our lives on what Jesus has done for us. And so what the word of God does is it shapes us to see Jesus. Verse 33 says that great grace was upon them all. That, that's an incredible phrase, that great grace was upon each one of them. See, what happens is as you begin to center your life upon God's word, you begin to center your life on Jesus, you begin to see Jesus everywhere. It's kind of like when you own a car, you end up seeing that car everywhere. Like I, we bought a 2007 Honda Pilot before we moved here because we, had a, we have a family and we have four kids. We had to have a third row. We needed a very specific type of vehicle. 
And before that, I never noticed Honda Pilots anywhere. But as soon as I got a silver Honda Pilot, I saw silver Honda Pilots everywhere. I just thought everybody was copying me. They were like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to buy one of those too. It's a great car. No, you begin to see it because you begin to look for it. In the same way, when we look to Jesus as central through his word, we begin to apply the gospel to everything in our lives. We want to be a church that puts the word of God at the center at the center of our relationships, of our work, of our neighborhood, of how we treat each other. So a gospel culture means that God's word is central. Thirdly, it means that action is essential. We don't wanna just hear the word of God, we wanna do the word of God. The gospel works in us in order that it can work through us. The love of God always moves towards action. You see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus in, in Matthew chapter nine was moved to compassion. He said he saw the crowds and he had compassion upon them and he fed the hungry. Jesus says, if you love me, if there's something working in your heart, you'll obey my commands. And the very central, probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave an action. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. A gospel culture means that we are moved towards action. And the early Christians, they so got this. They were so moved by the work of Jesus in and among them that some really incredible stuff started happening. In verse 34, it says that there was no needy person among them. That's, that's incredible to think that they met every single need that every single person had because they were living together like a family. They believed in this common hope together. And this is the way that Jesus says that the world will know us by our love for one another. If we want others to experience the gospel, we have to care for each other like a family. And it's crazy because they dug really, really deep in order to do this. Again, 17 different people groups are from all over the known world. They've, they've come to Jerusalem for this time called Pentecost. A bunch of them get saved, 3,000 people. And these people just kind of hung out. They, they didn't leave. They're like crowd, they're like couch hopping from place to place. They're, they're bumming all people's foods. They don't have jobs. They don't have any of these other things. And so the Christians who were in Jerusalem had to take care of a lot of these new Christians who come from all over the known world. And it wasn't like they were forced to do it. This was their own stuff, but they voluntarily sold their possessions and absolutely crushed it. They absolutely crushed caring for each other. And this is hard for us to get as Westerners, particularly Americans, because we live off the twin idols of individualism and merit. We believe that it's all about what I do and what I bring to the table and that I've earned my way. But the kingdom of God flips that on its head because you're no longer just an individual. You're now a part of a family. And what got you into this family is not your own actions, but the grace of God. A gospel culture says, I'm a part of a family. I didn't do anything to get into this family. I did, I'm in by grace. And so I'm going to love and serve lavishly by grace. We want to be a church that the love of Christ moves us to action in ways that doesn't make sense. We want to sacrifice deeply. We want to deeply care. And we're already seeing this. 
We're already seeing ways that people are giving to one another and meeting needs and, and helping care for each other and sacrificing their time and their preferences and their agendas. I'm, I'm so excited to see how God is already at work doing this among us. It says here that they laid their gifts at the apostles' feet, not like a king. It's not like, you know, it, it, this is a picture of letting go that they believed that they were entrusting their gifts in order to move the mission of God forward. And they did such a good job of this that in Acts chapter six, the, the, the apostles had to create an entire new office in the church called deacons because they were so busy giving out the money that they had collected that they didn't have time to preach and to pray. How incredible is that, that the gospel would push you and I into our neighborhood you know, th this pandemic has completely flipped all of our plans upside down. We had this entire summer outreach strategy that we were going to employ with movie nights and soccer nights and these ways to gather people and then invite them to preview services. And as I mentioned a couple of times ago, we decided we're just going to leverage this in order for, to bless and serve our neighborhood. So what we've done, because we believe the gospel moves us forward, is we've done things like serve at English high school. By, by helping provide groceries. We've, we've, um, we've helped out at the YMCA through giving out over, now I think over 600 kids activity bags. We're trying to press into issues of, of racial justice. We're in the very early stages of implementing a plan that gets us beyond just engaging, but starting to address some of the systemic issues in our neighborhood. All of this flows out of what Jesus has done for us. And yes, when we move in action because the gospel moves us, it's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that's worth it. There's an old story, an old wives' tale about a beggar and a king. And a king comes into town and the beggar sees him thinking, okay, the king is gonna be rich. He's gonna provide for my needs today. So as the king passes by the beggar, the beggar holds up his plate that has, has food and, and, and money and alms in the plate. And as he, as he does so, the king says, no, I'm not going to give you anything, but I want you to give me something. And so the beggar looks confused. He's puzzled because he just feels like he doesn't really have anything to give. But he gives the king five grains of rice. And so when the beggar goes home, he, he reaches down into his bag of carrots and potatoes that he had collected from others. And in the place of those five grains of rice, he finds five gold nuggets because he was willing to give those five grains to the king, he received something of so much greater worth. And then he said, oh, if I had given him everything. In the same way that we feel like what we give is a sacrifice, what we get from Jesus is so much better. And the sacrifice of going out on mission and being a part of a church plant, putting action to what Christ has done for us, it can feel like a sacrifice sometimes, but what we receive from Jesus, the glory and the grace that we receive from him and through him is totally worth it. And we're going to get into some more specifics of this in next month's Vision Night. So this is a shameless plug to invite you back for next month. A gospel culture means that action is essential. Lastly, it means that people are honored. People are honored. There, there's a real life example given here in a, at the end of Acts chapter four of Joseph, who is called Barnabas. He sells a field and he gives it for the sake of others. And he's so exemplary at this that he gets a nickname, Barnabas. 
which means son of encouragement. I mean, how encouraging do you need to be in order to get the nickname son of encouragement? In fact, I'm sure many of you have a nickname. And right now, if you want to type your nickname in the comment section on Facebook or live right now, keep it PG. If it's not PG, don't, I, we don't need to hear it. We, want to, we, we have children probably watching. So let's, um, let's keep it PG. Um, but uh, I remember I had several nicknames as a kid. Uh, they almost all revolved around my last name. My last name's Castello. It's Italian and no one can pronounce or spell it. So I got called like Costa Luego, uh, Castellano, Casta Luigi, Castello. I got called everything under the sun but my own last name. And that became my nickname. And a nickname defines you. When someone gives you a nickname, um, it, it's a sign of honor. It's a sign that you belong. It's a sign that you matter. This guy Barnabas was the real deal. In fact, in Acts 11 verse 24, it says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. People and their stories matter, and we want them to be honored as a part of our church. The gospel honors that. Who you are matters. We want this to be a church where you know others and you're known by others. And we want to talk about how God is working in you and through you, in us and through us, because it matters and it's something that needs to be honored. It's a picture of God's grace. Very early on in our church plant very early on in the core group. We, you know, we had about 14, 15 people who had very early on said, yes, I'm in, I'm hundred percent in. And um, as they were in, what ended up happening was uh, we, we had this, this night where we said, okay, hey, I just want you guys to tell me um, how you see God at work in somebody else in the room how you see God at work in somebody else in the room. And so as they did this, it was incredible to see how people didn't talk about themselves. They talked about others. And it was, it was really encouraging for others to hear how other people had seen them and seen God work in them. A gospel culture means that each person matters to God and is important to his mission. In fact, uh, Paul told the Corinthian church that they were one body with many parts. One body with many parts. Everyone plays a part. Each person is valuable. Each person matters. And it's the same in the middle of a church plant. Some of you are called to pray and, and I don't, that's not like JV level C team involvement in a church plant. Like God works through prayers and I've seen him work through your prayers already. So thank you. Some of you may be called to give financially. We'd love to, to, uh, for you to help support the work of our church. But some of you are called to go. And we want to honor that. We want to honor how God might be working in you to part of what God's doing here. You know, Barnabas later on was sent back to Cyprus, his hometown. That's not a mistake. He was sent back there because God had worked in him in such a way and others recognized and honored that. See, it's honorable when we send people to go to be a part of God's mission. And I would be honored for you to take that step, to put your yes on the table. What I mean by that is that you would be willing to take the step by saying, yes, God, I will go wherever you've called me to go. And if it's to be a part of what God is doing right here in the southern part of Boston near Forest Hills, we would be honored for you to do that. Maybe you thought tonight as you're hearing about this culture that we're, we're longing to craft, you're like, I want to be a part of something like that. Or you sense that God is pushing you. You sense God is, is pushing you. Put your yes on the table. 
Again, we invite you to type connect to get plugged into a, a community group or, or, to, or for more information or to be a part of City on a Hill, Forest Hill. Just type connect in the comments section and we'd be glad to message you. Lastly, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Hopefully you saw this in the chat. If you have a question for Q&A, uh, we would like to do some Q&A here in a minute. Um, uh, the number is 617-286-2006. Um, we will uh, give it an extra second for anybody who wants to put a question in, but we want to invite you to help us build this culture so that every person in every neighborhood experiences the gospel of Jesus.